0: Right. good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. My wife is going to be joining us here. And we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on The Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. And we'll be in Chapter 7 again tonight, entitled Under an Umbrella. And we'll, we'll steer you closer once we get started here just so you know all of our Bible studies are archived on our website org, as well as our YouTube channel at Lighthouse Discipleship Center and we always thank you to all of our financial partners who have supported us in our ministry to, uh, <coughs> both by mail and through our website org. and just so you know our mailing address is on our website so anyway uh, we got, thank you and God bless you for that uh, so again, like I said, we're going to be in Chapter Seven tonight. Title Under the Umbrella, and uh, the section title is actually Four Thousand Years, and, and, and so we're picking up myths out here. Um, in, in this, and you know, it always, I guess, kind of bothers me when we pick picking up myth out because we're picking up in the middle of, you know, thought, <laughs> and so I know that. Uh, uh, just a little repetitive, but anyway, just uh, you know, we're talking about the believer's authority, and we're talking about how God originally gave authority to man at creation, and Satan, mm-hmm. who was Lucifer at the time, uh, Lucifer, uh, deceived Eve, and also which caused Adam to rebel to the fall, and. Uh, I'm sorry, just trying to get my thoughts here. I have a little bit of afternoonitis. Just trying to get into a new gear here. Uh, s- Satan basically uh, stole that authority through deception and lies and whatnot, and caused, which we know that as a fall, and through that, Satan uh, took that authority. Now we've also been talking about in the weeks past how s- Satan has to have a body. He has no authority. He can only use deception. And when we give into the flesh, when we give into, we're either promoting God's kingdom or we're promoting Satan's kingdom. (coughs) And Satan has no authority outside, (coughs) outside of what we give him. In other words, we've even talked about it weeks back. An ant, a flea, has more authority uh, on this earth than Satan does because they have a body. They don't have a human body. They have their own ant, a flea body, where you know whatever it might be. So, Satan through influence, through deception, to when he can cause us to doubt God and do our own thing and to sin and whatnot. Uh, we, he, he actually can use us and deceive us and demotivate us inspire us if you lack a better term to promote his kingdom and here we're talking about the, again in, in chapter 7 we're talking about the fall of man you know how God uh, actually I, I think I'd rather just start reading this section here to give some context, context and, uh, and, and let's just read that again because um, anyway I just think that's key for understanding this chapter so we'll, we'll start at the beginning of chapter 7, under the umbrella, and we'll go from there.
1: In light of what we've seen thus far, Ephesians six ten and 11 ought to make a lot more sense. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole ar- armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles literally means cunningness, craftiness, and deception. Satan's only power is deception. He can't force you to do anything. He can't make you sin. People tell me, I don't want to commit sexual sin, but I just don't have the power to resist. Satan is stronger than I am. Not true. Satan doesn't have the power or the authority to force you to do anything. The problem is that he's a master liar, intimidator, and deceiver. It's all deception. When we don't know the truth about who we are in Christ and the power we've been given, then in a very real sense, we are the ones who are giving Satan the power and authority to rule and dominate us. You can break that. Recently I was speaking to one of our Bible college students about a certain area in this student's life and that person admitted, I know I'm wrong in this area. It's rebellion and I want to break it. But there's just something in me that I have trouble doing the right thing. I just can't seem to overcome it. I told the student, here's how you can overcome it. Do what you know you're supposed to do, but don't feel like doing every day. Doesn't matter that you don't feel like doing it. Do it every day. If you'll start obeying and yielding your actions to the Lord, then he'll be strengthened in your life. As you quit obeying and yielding your body to the devil, it'll weaken him in your life. That's why the Bible says you have to stand against the wiles, deception, lies, and deceit of the devil. Satan is out to deceive you, and he's coming at you every which way through all of the help and support he gets from people. Our airwaves are full of lust and lies. Every time you yield to the lies, you are the one who empowers the devil to come in and destroy your life.
0: You know, so, I mean, I know this is a repeat from last week if you've been following us, but, you know... There's one Bible college student, you know, he's just basically saying, you know, I'm, how did he say it? I know I'm wrong in this area, it's rebellion, and I, w- I want to break it, but there's just something in me that I have trouble doing the right thing, I just can't seem to overcome it. And Andrew's response basically, basically is, yes, you can, and I'm going to read his response again in just a moment. But we talked last week how, you know, we, if we're born again, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the attributes of the fruit of the spirit is temperance, self-control. And in our spirit, in our flesh, we might not—we can't control the flesh by the flesh. But how do you control the flesh? You control the flesh by walking in the spirit. Uh, Galatians five sixteen. It says, "I told them, I told I told him, here's how you overcome it. Here's how you overcome sin. How, how overcome your flesh? Do every day what you know you're supposed to do, but don't feel like doing." It doesn't matter that you don't feel like doing it. Do it every day. If you start obeying and yielding your your actions to the Lord, then he'll be strengthened in your life. As you quit obeying and yielding your body to the devil, it'll weaken him in your life. That's why the Bible says you have to stand against the wiles, deception, lies, and deceit of the devil. You just got to stand up and not take it. It's kind of like, you know, a bully. (laughs) You know one way you overcome a bully you have to stand up to that bully and uh you know and so uh stop yielding to him stop yielding to your flesh stop letting your flesh be lord of your life and let jesus be lord of your life and so now some of us i think we're getting right back into performance no we're not doing this to become saved we we are doing this because we are saved we have the food of the spirit we have temperance we're not doing this so we are saved, we are doing this because we are saved. Jesus is our Lord and we're submitting to our Lord. We're submitting to our King. We're submitting to Him and not yielding to our flesh and we're not yielding to Satan. We're not keen and Satan's not keen. He's not our Lord and we're not our own Lord. We're not going to be selfish. We're going to be uh, lack of a better term, Godfish. <laughs> you know, we're going to be, um we're not going to be self centered, we're going to be God-centered we're not doing this be- to become saved we're doing this because we are saved by grace you're saved through faith faith without works is dead and so you know we uh you just don't yield don't yield to your flesh don't yield to that or you say I can't do that yes again if you're born again you have the fruit of the spirit and you have temperance and you can say no and everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. You cannot say yes to God and, and yes to the devil or your flesh at the same time. One of them's going to be Lord. They can't both be Lord. They both can't be king of the mountain. Well, you ever play king of the mountain? <laughs> you know, we used to do it in the swimming pool with our air mattress floating on top. King of the mountain, you know, uh, and uh, fight for that top. And uh, it just, uh, you know, there's only be one king. You push everyone else off, you know, and so... Um, and I, I'm saying this in a fun way in a, a fun game playing King of the Mountain but either your flesh Satan and God cannot be Lord at the same time but if you, we're not saying these things to become born again we're saying these things because we are born again we are, we're talking about believer's authority we're not talking about human authority we're talking about believer's authority because God gave it to man Satan took it but through Christ God has given it back and as believers, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Uh, Galatians five sixteen. Once again. So anyway, Sherry.
1: And you know, the the verse that Andrew quoted in Ephesians six about putting on the whole armor of God. If you study that out let me get there if you study that out and realize what that armor is you will be able to stand against anything and the the power that that we as mankind have knowingly or unknowingly given to Satan by uh, giving into the, the, the loudest deceiver and liar there is, you know, I mean, just gird your, girding your waist with the truth. If we put God's truth in our hearts and our mind, that truth alone, and even Jesus himself said the truth that you, that, um, the truth will set you free, but but you have to know the truth. And the breastplate of righteousness, if you realize who you are in Christ, that Jesus himself took on all of our sin, sin of the whole entire world. He took it on himself. He was sinless. He couldn't commit sin. He couldn't think to do sin. He wasn't tempted by sin. He was the only one who was sinless but he took it all all sin on him willingly that we all all as in all every single person could become righteous Jesus it's it's like if I gave Dave my Bible and he gave me back his his study guide to the Bible study we're exchanging places. If we swap chairs, we're, we're exchanging places. Jesus took our sin and gave us His righteousness. If you if you look at Second Corinthians five twenty one, He who knew no sin became sin, so that we would become the righteousness of God. That perfect righteousness of the Son of God that was given to us is our breastplate. It covers the vital. Organs of 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 a person, and I mean that is such a powerful powerful weapon. Um, the the shot, you know, put, putting shot in your feet with the with the with the gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. All of this armor. Is so powerful but it's it's something that that Jesus himself paid the price so that we would have all of this he, Jesus is our peace and, and we're to shod our feet with, with the gospel of peace the helmet of salvation only through Jesus and by Jesus are we saved and the sword of the Spirit uh, can't get any more which is the Word of God you cannot get any more powerful than that that armor is for us to stand against the the wiles of the enemy and if you noticed in this verse and uh, the other verse that that Dave has spoken on before about uh, submitting to to God resist uh, uh, submit to god and resist the devil it's the submitting to god first that helps us resist the devil it's the the standing uh, taking the whole armor of god and standing that helps us resist the devil it doesn't say fight against the devil on your own strength it doesn't say Resist the devil first, and then come to God. It's always God first. It's always Jesus Christ first, because Jesus Christ is the one uh, who who is the victor. He's the one that that won our victory for us.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's, uh, go ahead and read the next section, and then uh, go ahead and read the Ponta deus too, and we'll get all that one. Should be.
1: Since God is a spirit and doesn't have a physical body, John 4:24), and since he gave the power and authority over the earth to physical human beings, he would have been unjust to come down here and intervene in the affairs of man. He couldn't just step in and straighten out the mess. He had the power to do so, and as judge, he could have said, all right, I'm tired of this whole mess. I'm going to wipe out the entire human race. He came close to doing that with Noah and the flood as creator and owner he's always had the right and privilege but outside of total judgment he didn't have the authority to just come into the affairs of men and change things he didn't have it because he had given that authority to rule and reign over the earth to mankind Psalm 115 16 even though they used that authority in a way contrary to what he desired god would have been unjust and untrue to his own statements to come down here and change things this is why god had to become a man this is the reason that jesus that god had to send his son the lord jesus christ to the earth it all comes back to this issue of authority being given to physical human beings god didn't have a physical human body So he wasn't free to just operate unrestricted on this earth. He had to become a man. Jesus, the Word made flesh, the God-man, had to become a physical person so that he could have authority on this earth, John 1, 14. God couldn't have saved mankind any other way. Until he obtained a physical human body, he was limited in what he could do. He tried to work through people But they were all corrupted, deceived, and under the devil's control. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Ezekiel 22.30 He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him. Isaiah 59.16 Since there is no person sinless, pure, and able to bring God's righteousness into the earth, he had to come and save us himself. He had given the dominion of this world to physical human beings, so he had to become one. God himself took upon himself flesh and limited himself to a physical body. And Andrew goes on to say that his teaching entitled, How to Conceive a Miracle, goes into a greater depth on this topic. It's the second message from Lessons from the Christmas Story. God spoke Adam's body into existence when he had absolute authority over the earth. God said, Let us make man, Genesis 1.26. God created man by speaking words. Subsequently, he spoke words giving man dominion authority and power over the earth in doing so he limited his own authority man corrupted themselves by selling out to the devil and making him the god of this world god wasn't in control he didn't have dominion over the earth because he had given it to man that's why god wasn't able to just speak the physical body of jesus into existence on his own he had to speak to the spirits of men the corrupted spirit within them and then they had to take those words and speak them out of their mouths. It literally took God 4,000 years to find enough people who would operate in enough faith to speak forth and prophesy the things that needed to be spoken for Jesus' body to be created. There's no telling how many people God inspired to say, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son before Isaiah actually spoke, Isaiah seven fourteen. Not many prophets would like to stand up and go on record declaring such a thing. It took a lot of faith for Isaiah to say that. After all of these prophecies had been spoken over 4,000 years, the angel approached Mary and told her what would happen. Luke one28 28 28-33, 35. She humbled herself and said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Luke 1:38. The angel took all of those prophecies, the spoken words of God, and the word entered into Mary's womb. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 God created the physical body for Jesus to inhabit by speaking words over a 4,000 year period of time through anointed men. Then those words entered into the womb of Mary, and that's how Jesus was conceived. That's why he had authority on earth. To do
0: what he did. So there's a lot here that we read. We read in two sections to, to get us caught up to where we were last, last week. Um, just to bring everything in context. You know, I'm not going to hopefully repeat everything here, but it just uh, again going back on the, on the on the point we've been making that, you know, uh, God gave authority to man. But there's something that God spoke and when God gave that authority, he couldn't just take that authority back. He would be unjust to his own word. And that that that's not the way it works. And so when God gave authority to man, that when man fell, under under using that under the umbrella of that authority, man fell and therefore God had to come as in the flesh through Jesus to redeem man back. Why? Because Man had authority to not God in, in that sense. Uh, and so, and it took this last section, it took 4,000 years for enough prophecies to be spoken by man who God gave authority over to before Jesus came. And I love this verse in Luke 138, excuse me, it says, After all. <laughs> All these prophecies have been spoken over 4,000 years. The angel approached Mary and told her what would happen. She humbled herself and said, and we're not going to go that far, but, you know, there was prophecies. I forget exactly how many prophecies there are, Messianic prophecies, over a period of 4,000 years to prophesy the Messiah, to prophesy Jesus would come. Jesus came to redeem us man committed a transgression man had to die God gave authority to man and therefore God used man to prophesy Jesus to come Jesus came and in this last paragraph God created a physical body for Jesus to inhabit by speaking words over 4,000 years period of time through anointed men and then those words entered into the womb of Mary and that's how Jesus was conceived. That's why he had authority on earth to do what he did. Because of these words that were prophesied. And these words were prophesied because God gave authority to man to prophesy Jesus into existence so that Jesus had come as a man and redeem the world to himself. And I know a lot of people haven't necessarily heard it from that perspective. But that is profound, if you think about it. God knew what He was doing to bring our Savior. And, you know, we're not glorifying man, we're glorifying God. But God used all these things to bring forth His redemption for us. And so that we, uh, and and it's His Word, not just the written Word, but His Word, that has been spoken even through prophecy that brought jesus into existence and gave him the authority to do what he did not just through the cross but even in his earthly ministry Amen. jesus also spoke words as a to, as a son of man of things that you and i should be doing through the anointing of the of the holy spirit and so and peter and pentecost prophesied what was written, what was said, what was prophesied. And his spirit would be poured out upon all flesh. And, uh, and so if you've been following my message on Sunday morning, I'm talking about we have the same spirit of faith, and that same spirit of faith speaks. We, do, too, have authority to speak, just like these 4,000 years of prophets, just like Jesus prophesied and spoke and ministered And just like the apostles wrote and spoke, we have authority to call the sins as not as though they are. And we have a ministry to speak the oracles of the living God. So anyway, it's just profound.
1: It's very profound. And amen to what Andrew uh, has has written in his, his study as well as what Dave just said. And... I just want to speak to anyone who, who might still have a little bit of a hard time with this because it's new. one, it might be new and a different way of looking at it, but we don't seem to quite, as, as mankind, as humans, we don't seem to quite grasp God and, and who he is and how he does things. God's words that he speaks are so covenant upon covenant that he will not break it. When he gives an oath, makes a covenant with mankind, speaks a promise, he will not, cannot, won't go back on his words. And just, I want to read some scriptures just to... To help you be able to grasp grasp this because as 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 humans back however many generations people would make a covenant uh, or a a work um, uh, I don't know what you call it because I'm not a businessman but when one business person and another business person make a deal they they would know Just by saying this is the deal I'm going to make for you, and shake on it, that that would come to pass. That people used to be very good about keeping their word, and nowadays, if someone says, "Oh, I promise to do it," you never know what if it's going to come to pass or not, because people have have loosely uh, make that that a promise. Dave and I are very big on the hey. If we say it, we're going to keep it, and we get it based on how God does things with His words that and His covenants that He gives us. And in Psalm one thirty-eight, David says in um, in verse two, "I will worship towards Your holy temple and praise Your name for Your loving kindness and Your truth, for You have magnified Your word." Above all your name and I I know I've spoken on this before because it's a it's a big deal to me At the name of Jesus every knee is gonna bow His name the name of Jesus is above every name on this earth whether it be Dave Sherry uh, would it be a person's name whether it be sickness lack the the devil a flower a tree you know whatever has a name Everything has to bow to Jesus. His name is above, truly above, every name that's out there. But God, through David, says that God's word is magnified above God's name. That that means as high and powerful and wonderful as Jesus' name is, God's word that he speaks not only will come to pass, but he holds to it. If he said, I'm giving my... Uh, mankind that the the mankind that I created in my image if I'm giving them authority on this earth that means he can't take it back because he gave his word he's he he, he, he can't go up at his word in Hebrews 1 this is a uh, uh portion of scripture that I that I dearly love in Hebrews chapter 1 starting in verse 1. God who at various times and in various ways. Spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The world's creation is upheld by the power of God's words. It is and i'm i'm bringing these scriptures out because we somehow have missed the importance and the strength and, and that the power of god's words when god says something when he's i mean look at his covenant he made with with abraham his covenant with abraham is so unbreakable that we as whether we be Gentile or Jew in this day and age, if we believe we are the spiritual sons of of Abraham and we get the same promises as Abraham, because that covenant that God made so long ago, His words to Abraham are so uh, so in stone, so resolute, so unbreakable that. All of God's promises are now uh, to us the, the seed of Abraham be because we believe in God's word.
0: Amen. Awesome. Very good. Well, let's read uh, some more, uh, Shielded from the Rain.
1: Satan was in trouble now. God always had the power to intervene, but he had given the authority over the earth to mankind. His ability to intervene in the affairs of man was limited because he didn't have a physical body. When man turned from God and gave their authority and power over to the devil, he began to oppress the human race. God wanted to redeem us, but he had to have some physical human being, a person with a physical body, here on the earth so that he could have authority to do battle with the devil. When you're under an umbrella, it shields you from the rain. The rain may be falling, but it isn't touching you. When Satan rebelled against God by deceiving men and gaining their authority, he came under the protective umbrella of the authority God had given to mankind. This human authority shielded the devil from God getting to him and stripping him of all this power. God couldn't get to Satan directly without violating his word because he had given authority over the earth to people with physical human bodies. This is why Jesus had to become a man. Christ said it this way, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. John 5, 26 and 27. Jesus said the reason he had authority to execute judgment was because, he was the Son of Man.
0: So um, in many ways, it's just reiterating what we've been saying, but just, just, I don't know if you're catching all that he's saying here, you know, and I don't know if I can convey it better than Andrew had just said it here, but God gave authority to man. And when man sinned, when man gave that authority to Satan, because God God had a covenant with man, God had to divinate uh, His word. He, God's not going to violate His word. And it just says here. Let me just read some of this. When you're under an umbrella, it shields you from the rain. The rain may be falling, but it doesn't touch you. When Satan rebelled against God, he came into under the protective umbrella of the authority God had given to mankind. Therefore, this human authority shielded the devil from God getting to him and stripping him of all this power. God couldn't get to Satan directly without violating his word because he had given authority over the earth to people with physical human bodies. This is why Jesus had to become a man. And he quotes from John 5, 20, 5 20, I mean 5, uh, John 5, and uh and then he goes on to say, you know, Jesus had said the reason he had authority to execute judgment was because he was the son of man. You know, God, uh, God had given authority to man. Satan deceived man. Man gave authority to Satan. But God also couldn't come after Satan because God had given authority to man. And, uh... You know, he. You know, when you give authority to the it was. You know, he couldn't take that authority back unjustly, and so, Jesus, so God used prophecy of four thousand years of, of prophets and whatnot. to prophesy like Jesus to coming, and come, and when He came, quoting from John five, for as the Father had had life in Himself, He had given to, to the Son to have life in Himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment, also, because he is the son of man. And it goes on to say in the book of Acts that, uh, and, and other places that Jesus, uh, of, I forget exactly how it says it, but he overcame the works of the devil, and so uh, through the cross, and he silenced him. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, there's a whole another teaching, but how Satan has used the law. To judge man, what was written? But God nailed that all that to the cross. Uh, and now we are now under a new covenant of grace, and uh, and so uh, there's no the law can't judge us because God had, the law is also called the ministry of death, and Jesus has overcome death. Death has no sting. On our lives, the law—we are there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and I'll be talking about this a little bit in a couple weeks on Sunday mornings. But we are under the law of the spirit of life, and uh, and so uh, we are, and so we're not under the law of sin and death. We are now under the law of um, the spirit uh, spirit of life, and so. Uh, Anyway, I don't know if you're catching everything I'm trying to convey, but, uh, you know, God, the God of all wisdom orchestrated everything through the years, through the ages, to bring us Jesus. And he has brought everything right back in the right order. And uh, so anyway, everything went...
1: I just want to share one verse. This may be the verse that that Jesus, uh, that Jesus, that Dave was referring to, or maybe it just complements it. But in 1 John 3, verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil.
0: Yes, so it's...
1: You know, if if you study out manifested, you know, Andrew already spoke on that God is a spirit, and that he needed a human body uh, to be able uh, to 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 work this all out for us, and words don't seem to describe that properly, but manifested made known become flesh this for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil this speaks to what andrew is is trying to communicate that jesus had to come the perfect perfect sinless lamb of god son of man son of god andrew's going to go into that so that that um, we're not, anyone's not confused, uh, but this is a big deal. This is a very big deal.
0: It's all all good if you can capture what we're trying to convey here. So let's go ahead and read by the God-man.
1: Both of the terms Son of God and Son of Man refer to Jesus. Son of Man emphasizes his humanity and physical side. Son of God emphasizes his divinity and the presence of Almighty God, that indwelt Christ's body. Jesus existed before the worlds began and he created all things, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy three sixteen. He was fully God and fully man simultaneously. Therefore, Jesus was the God-man. Son of man refers to Christ's humanity. So when Jesus said that the Father had given him authority to execute judgment because he was the son of man, he was making a direct reference to the fact that he had a physical body. He always had power as creator, but he didn't have the authority to use that power until he took on flesh. All this confirms the integrity of God's word. Once he spoke, you have dominion to mankind. It was theirs. He limited his own authority and power on the earth by giving it to us, and God never breaks his word. One time, one of my employees was believing God for a car. When the Lord blessed me with a better vehicle, I gave my previous car to this person. It was a very nice car. It was brand new when I got it, and my wife and I had only used it for a couple of years. I gave this car to my employee as a gift and signed the title over to him. A year or so later, he asked if it would be okay with me if he used that car as a trade-in toward a better one. I told him, you can do anything you want with that car. It's not mine, it's yours. He felt he needed to get my permission, but it wasn't necessary. In every way, I had given him that car. It was legally his. If he wanted to park it on the curb and charge $10 each for people to take a swing at it with a sledgehammer in order to raise money for another car, he could have done so. He could have done anything with it he wanted. That's integrity. If I gave someone a car and signed it over to them, it's theirs. If a couple of years later I find them selling swings with a sledgehammer for 10 bucks each and that's not what I intended, it would be wrong for me to come up to them and say something. If I truly gave the car to them, no strings attached, then it's their business, not mine. They now have the authority over it.
0: So, well, hopefully, you're getting this illustration, you know, if you know Andrew's is saying, if he sold a car to somebody and that person wants to sell it or just use it as a sledgehammer to to raise money or whatnot uh, to get another car, you know, it's theirs. And uh, for Andrew to come and and, and and say you don't have permission to do this with your car that I gave you, I legally signed over to you, will be wrong. God gave authority to man. I want to read the second paragraph. So when Jesus said that the father had given him authority to execute judgment because he was a son of man, he was making a direct reference to the fact that he had a physical body. He always had power as creator but he didn't have he had the authority to use that power when he took on flesh and so anyway um, you know God gave authority to man. And when God gave all, do, he, he even quoted here how he uh, he gave all dominion to mankind. He back in Genesis. If God gave all dominion to mankind, God can't take that legally back. It's like signing the car over to you and telling you what to do with the car I gave you, and that's legally yours. It's just wrong, and God's not wrong. God. It goes on to say how God will will never break his word. He's faithful. You know, if God ever violates his word, everything falls apart, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. And so, uh, you know, God will honor his word, and God has given authority to man. But Satan, through the fall, Satan deceived man to give that authority to him. And yet, through 4,000 years, God prophesied that Jesus would come as a man, Jesus came as a man, and God executed authority to him as a son of man. Yes, he is the son of God, but according to Philippians, he put that down to be the kind of son of man so he could die for us. A man committed offense, a man had to die, and God gave authority back to man through Jesus Christ, who was the son of man in in the in, in the gospel letters, but according to Paul in Second Corinthians five four uh five sixteen, we know no man after the flesh even Christ. Yes, Jesus came as the Son of Man, he laid his divinity down as the Son of God to become the Son of Man. But through the death the, the finished work of the cross, through his birth, through his death, burial and resurrection and ascension, he is now sitting at the right hand of God as the Son of of god not the son of man and, that, and so he's given that authority to us and by him going back to the father we now have the holy spirit and we too have authority to use our words as i've been talking about on sunday mornings and we're still talking about this book we have authority as believers to use that to raise the dead to heal the sick and to cast out devils in his name freely we receive freely we give and we have the same spirit of faith, and so that faith speaks. So.
1: And this, new, if you hear Andrew out, and you hear David and, and I out, this is not taking away from God's godness, so to speak. God is still God. He hasn't, he's not missing a part of himself. He hasn't, uh, his, his power, his authority his glory everything that God is his, his sovereignty if you understand the true uh, sovereignty of God is it's he's still God but his word is such a big deal to God he does not break it so if you're saying well but God can do this yeah he can but he chooses not to because he specifically gave authority on this earth to mankind he is not going to change his mind and, and come back uh, and, and and take that away from him uh, that's why he he uh, sent his son uh, and I, I hope I'm making myself clear and making sense but uh, I'm just I was throwing that that bit out
0: you know uh, it reminds me of a story Dwayne sheriff shared one time uh, he used to be a Methodist pastor and uh, he told his congregation, this was years ago and uh, whatnot, but he told his congregation one time, one, one Sunday, he was preaching, he says, there's some things that God cannot do. And when he made that phrase, it caused no small stir. that uh, people in the church came to question him on that, and kind of called him on the carpet, and now he kind of got to the place where he repented for saying that but then he came back next the next Sunday with even more bold boldness and he said no there's certain things God cannot do he cannot sin he cannot break his word uh, there's some other things he listed in there but we you know we, we, sometimes we get the impression that God can do anything. yes he has the capability of doing things but there's some things he doesn't have the capability of doing that's sinning that's not that's not keeping his own word uh, keeping his covenant. Uh, and there's some other things along those lines, God can't lie, uh, you know, uh, and so um, he's not a God that he should lie, and so there's certain things that God can not do, and so he can't fail, he can't mess up, you know, he just, uh, uh, you know, he can't break his word, and so uh, uh, so there's some things that God cannot do, and when we put those things in the proper perspective, God's going to keep his word. And that's where a lot of this uh, hinges on too. Everything hinges on God keeping His word. If God keeps, doesn't keep His word, then everything falls. It uh, just falls apart. And, and, and I used to say, you know, uh, from Hebrews chap, chapter one, when God says He heals all things by the power of His word, I used to say that they would just turn to goo. My wife corrected me. You no, know, everything would just would just cease. To, it would just vanish. <laughs> everything would just cease to exist. There would be nothing. It would be just like before creation. There was it was it wasn't just formless and void. There would be nothing. Everything would cease to exist if God didn't keep His word. And I mean, I don't know about that, but I you can just imagine everything going boop gone. Because that's what would happen. Every molecule, everything would cease to exist. I mean, uh, you know, and there would be no one around to tell about it. <laughs> so, but anyway. Uh, uh, let, me get <coughs> let me get off that one. I, can't get
1: there. I, I love in, in 2 Timothy um, in chapter 2 Paul is writing to Timothy obviously it's a letter to Timothy uh, but he says in chapter 2 uh, verse 11-13 through 13, this is a faithful saying for if we died with him we shall also live with him if we endure we shall also reign with him if we deny him he also will deny us If we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself it just goes to what Dave and I are conveying about what uh, God can't do he cannot deny himself he cannot deny his word if he speaks his word if he gives someone a promise or a covenant word he will not cannot won't whatever strong language Just, he he can't go back on his word.
0: All right, let's uh, finish out the chapter, physical body. Uh, we'll We'll be done with this.
1: That's how God gave authority over this earth to us. God himself was limited until he became a physical human being. Jesus wasn't only physical, but he, God himself, inhabited a physical body on the earth. Now the devil was in trouble. He'd been using Adam and Eve like a hostage, saying, God, if you do anything to me, you'll have to destroy these people you have made too. But now Jesus became one of the hostages, a physical human being. Jesus entered into the devil's kingdom and destroyed it. He took away all authority and power from Satan and reduced him to a zero with the rim knocked off. The enemy has zip, zilch, nada power and authority against us. All Satan can do is tempt us. If we yield to him, we're doing the same thing Adam and Eve did. We are yielding our human power and authority. Satan can't do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. This is completely opposite of so much of what the church has taught. Most people think that Satan is a major force to be reckoned with. He does exist, and you can't just be ignorant of his devices, 2 Corinthians 2.11. You need to know what's going on, but the devil is not someone to be feared. He's someone you need to recognize and resist, but Satan can't do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. Understanding this truth has transformed my life and given me a tremendous advantage over the devil. Now I recognize that if I'm having a feeling, a desire, a drawing, or a lust in some direction... All I have to do is quit yielding to those things that are allowing Satan to draw me in that way. I just use my physical body to go in exactly the opposite direction. What I do with my physical body releases either the power of God or the power of the devil.
0: I you know, I like this uh, next to the last uh, paragraph. and I want to re- reread it. It says, this is completely, everything we're teaching right now, in this book, in this chapter, is completely opposite of so much of what the, the church has taught. Most people think that Satan is a major force to force to be reckoned with. He does exist, and you you can't just be ignorant of his devices. Second 2 Corinthians two eleven. You need to know what's going on. But the devil is not someone to be feared. He's someone you need to recognize and be but Satan can do, can't do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. Understanding this truth has transformed my life and given me a tremendous advantage over the devil. Now I recognize that if I'm having a feeling, a desire, a drawing, or a lust in some direction. All I have to do is quit yielding to those things that are allowing Satan to draw me to, to draw me in that, that direction, and I just use my physical body to go in the exact opposite direction. What I do with my physical body releases either the power of God or the power of the devil. So again, you know this, this works both ways. When we're saying that Satan has to have a body, well, in a sense, God has to have a body too, to 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 work there, because God has, has given authority to men. God, God's not going to use an angel to preach the gospel. He has given the responsibility to preach the gospel to men, to pastors, to teachers, and etc., to all of us. We're all able ministers of the new covenant, and we're either promoting Satan's kingdom or we're promoting God's kingdom. And if Satan, my, there's times where, as he said, uh, there's a feel, uh, a feeling, a desire, a drawing, or a lust to do something. All I gotta do is go in the opposite direction and do what God's called me to do. Be who God's called me to be, and uh, and go where God's called me to go, and say what God's called me to say. You know, He's my Lord, and I can use my body to glorify God. And not give into Satan's program. Satan is real. He's not someone to be feared. Yes, we are not to be ignorant of his devices, but God has given us authority, and we have that authority. And I'm not giving that authority back to Satan to have inroads in my life. I'm going to use that authority by God's grace to do what God's called me to be, and do do what God's called me to do, and who God has called me to be. And what God has called me to go and what God has called me to say, I can do that by His grace. It's grace God didn't given this free will to us by His grace. He's given us a body. He's given us everything, and, and creation before the fall. He said it was good. We were made in His image. He said it was good. And when it's good, the Jesus Creator doesn't need to create anything else. He, God only created one more thing. That was Jesus. And we are all new creations in Christ Jesus. And we, that's who we're supposed to behold. and That's who we are. And so we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so we don't need any more power. We don't need any more authority. We just need to be who God calls to be and do what God calls to do, say what God calls to say and go what God calls to go. We just need to let him be because he, the master, the creator, the redeemer, knows how we should act. And, and and we as the children of God. As the sons and daughters of God. And behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And when we, when we, we will be like him when we, when we see him as he is. Anyway. Amen. Anything else? Nope. All right. Well, well, that concludes Chapter 7. We'll pick up Chapter 8 next week. And so you guys have a blessed week. We'll see you on Sunday as we continue our teaching, Experiencing the Spirit of Faith. God bless you guys. Have a great week.